You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Good morning, good evening, wherever you're listening. Thanks again for listening to Ask Drone You. In this week's news show, we've got a lot to talk about. And joining me, as always, is the Flying Dutchman. Hiya, how are you, sir? Hey, man, pretty good. How are you doing? Doing all right. Excited for this week's news because I think we're starting to see a new trend in the aviation industry. And uh, hi, I guess that can just bring us right into our first article, which is this morning, Monday, as we're recording this, the FAA has finally approved Amazon Prime Air and their drone delivery fleet. But what may not surprise some of you aviation buffs out there is that Amazon's new approval came under part 135. Haya, what's going on with Amazon? Yeah, as of this morning, the Federal Aviation Administration has uh, given approval to Amazon Prime Air, which is their drone delivery service, to start operating under a parts 135 certification. The only two other companies that have so far received that certification are UPS and Google's or Alphabet's uh, company Wing. These companies now are seen as air carriers, so the the restrictions or the regulations they have to live up to are much more strict than if you were to fly deliveries under a Part 107 certificate. But for Amazon, it's a big deal. I mean, they, if if you remember Jeff Bezos back in 2013, I think it was already announced that, hey, drones are going to be routine ways to deliver packages in uh, five years or so. Of course, those five years have come and gone uh, by now. But to see that Amazon is now finally admitted into the big league, if you will, to start making deliveries to customers with drones is, uh, is definitely a big step forward. Amazon has a very interesting designed drone. Uh, we've seen photos of it, and it's it's almost a mix between a quadcopter and a, or not, it's not a quadcopter, a hexacopter and a fixed wing drone, if you will. It can take off vertically, but then once it's flying, it flies in a almost like an FPV drone at an angle, which allows it to fly faster and more efficiently, and it can deliver packages up to a weight of five pounds. And the goal is to be able to deliver them within a 15-mile range under 30 minutes. So if you remember, Amazon Prime started out with being able to deliver packages within two days, then it became pretty much within one day here in New York. A lot of times you almost get same day delivery with drones. They will be able to bring that down to 30 minutes or less. Now, initially, Amazon is going to try this service and test it in less densely populated areas. Uh, Of course, flying in urban areas flying over people, those are still things that need to be resolved. So they're going to test it in rural areas where there aren't a lot of people living. So it's a lot safer and easier to fly these drones. In order to see drone deliveries become commonplace and more routine, you still need other things to be resolved as well. The first one is remote ID for drones that the FEA is currently working on, and those final rules are supposed to come out by the end of this year. But also you need a unmanned uh, traffic management system, if you will, to safely integrate drones with existing manned aviation. That's another big step in making the uh, regulations for drones so that you can actually use drones to routinely deliver packages. So don't expect 
Amazon to be able to deliver your goods anytime soon by drone. It probably will still take a few years. However, for Amazon to be admitted and receive their parts, 135 certification is for sure a big deal. And I'm pretty sure that Amazon is probably very happy with uh, being able to bring out this news uh, this morning. Very interesting, Haya. It seems at some point that regulations are going to have to speed up with the reality of the industry because it's interesting as so many delivery companies are acquiring this certification under 135 and it makes you wonder why not change 107 or have some sort of convergence between the two regulations to create a more simplistic and easy to understand operating environment but many say well we need rid and utm to do that and i think i asked the question of do we really need that or a more solid and simple foundation to build upon you bring up a good point because on one hand part 107 is too restrictive right you can't fly across state lines you can't deliver to end consumers you can only can deliver within your same company structure from let's say location a to location b whereas part 135 is too complicated because now you have to look at drones as if they are real airplanes and live up to all those same safety standards basically so to get a part 135 certification is overly complicated therefore expensive and therefore also takes too much time so the only three companies that have been able to achieve it now are ups wing and amazon and let's say if you and i were going to start a drone delivery business tomorrow it'd be pretty much impossible for us to get a, a part 135 certification anytime soon i would imagine because it would be too complicated and too expensive so I agree with you that some form in between a part 135 and a part 107 will probably be the way to go, specifically tailor-made for drone deliveries. I think that will be smart. For sure. For sure. And I agree with you that the 107 limitations are uh, pretty intense, but I would like to highlight the article that we wrote a while ago explaining how drone delivery is possible under 107. And while visual line of sight is yeah. one of the provisions, there are certain businesses, Haya, like bed and breakfast, golf courses, for example, and certain entertainment venues that could benefit from part 107 drone delivery as they further engage and service their clients without getting close to them. And Haya, I don't know about you, but if I can stay away from my audience, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, but I think it would be a lot of fun really to help more businesses understand the power of how 107 could be used to benefit businesses, albeit you're right. There are very, very limited options and very limited businesses that could benefit from 107 based delivery. Awesome. Well, that brings us to our next story, which is actually, well, a simple one. There is only 30 days that remain to update your Part 107 according to the FAA's guidance under SFAR 118-1. That means that drone pilots under Part 107 can actually renew their 107 certificate online through fasafety.gov. Now, Haya, I've got to tell you, I've been in this process myself, and it's actually a lot more complicated than I thought it would be. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie, like finding the actual course 
to take and whatnot was quite difficult, which is why I decided to write this article and kind of explain exactly how to go through it if you are needing to renew your 107 and you can't get to a cat center or they're not open or you just don't want to risk it, whatever the reason is, uh, when I dug down deep, I actually realized it's not as simple as we would hope once again. I think uh, that article would be very useful because uh, we can post it either on the drone news site or drone Excel. If people were to Google it, they would find it and then we can tell them exactly where to go, what links to click and what instructions to follow in order to make the uh, renewal process easy. I mean, uh, it'd be nice if the FEA made it easy for us, but I don't know if that's in their mission statement. <laughs> well, you would think it would be considering it's to create national airspace safety, but hey, whatever. Keep it simple, stupid is only taught in business school, Haya. But that brings us yeah. to our next story, which is it seems like firefighters may not have yeah. access to all the tools that they need in order to fight fires from burning down homes in states like California. Now, Haya, before you get into it, I do have to just say my wife's uh, aunt lost her home in Vacaville and was actually like the lead story, I think, on ABC News like last Tuesday. And they were showing her property in the background of the shot and the only thing that you can really recognize is the frame of the car and the garage door that is about it wow that's that's devastating that's that's got to be harsh it sure is but they're strong they are definitely grateful for things like their insurance but they are a strong family and we all hope and pray for them and that things do get better so hope you guys are honestly uh hope you guys have an easy time and get a lot of help and support but Haya, what's going on here as far as the department of interior not really having access to all the right tools yeah, it's it's kind of a crazy story, really, when you think about it. I mean, the Department of the Interior has the largest federal drone fleet in the United States, and it's more than 800 drones. A lot of them are made by DJI, so they are Chinese-made drones containing Chinese-made parts. And as you know, effectively, there's been basically a ban on any drones that contain any Chinese-made parts, and that has resulted in the Department of the Interior grounding their entire drone fleet earlier this year. They can only be used in emergency situations such as fighting wildfires. However, it seems that that hasn't happened. Earlier today, there was an internal memo that uh, has been seen by the Financial Times in which the U.S. Department of the Interior admits that not being able to use their drones basically increases the risks of wildfires. And one of the ways in which they normally would have used drones is basically to do control burning of land. So they would burn down certain areas of land to prevent the wildfire from spreading to other areas where you have people living. They were also planning on buying 17 of these drone systems, and I believe they're all using DJI Matrice drones, but then they have a uh, mechanism underneath the drone that is able to drop uh, ping pong ball sized 
pellets, if you will, that start fires. And by doing this, they can start controlled wildfire, not wildfires, I guess, anymore at that point, but they can start controlled fires to burn down certain areas that will prevent the wildfires from spreading. However, those purchases cannot be made. Those drones cannot be flown. And in this internal memo, they basically admit it's that, uh, yeah, not having access to these drones and not using these drones makes us less effective in fighting wildfires and therefore increasing the risk of these fires. And in that same memo was mentioned that so far only 28% of all the controlled burning has taken place in 2020 versus what would have taken place if they would have been able to uh, execute uh, the way they were planning on doing so. So they've been very much handicapped uh, by this ban on drones that contain Chinese made parts. And you wonder where this is going to go eventually, right? Because if you think about, okay, Chinese-made parts, if, if that's the issue, then you should also look at laptops, you should look at cameras, you should look at smartphones. I mean, then it's not related to drones anymore. Also, you could argue whether it's just China or should we also look into drones that are made in France or drones that are made in other countries? Uh, I mean, why is China on the list? Why are other countries not on the list? So anyway, there's, there's a lot to be discussed here still. However, this is an interesting story for sure because it's by it's the owner admittance from the Department of the Interior that they're basically handicapped in keeping people safe. And if you've seen any footage over the last two weeks of what's happening in California, you can see that those wildfires are devastating. A lot of lives are being ruined. A lot of homes are burned down. So you would want the department to be as effective as possible in terms of fighting these fires. And not being able to use drones is a big deal for sure. Definitely. Well, we hope that there's some sort of solution and that lawmakers listen so that these aircraft can be used to fight fires and save lives and homes. Moving on to our next piece of news. Hiya, it seems like DJI, while they may not be releasing that Mavic 3, we could be expecting to see, I know a DJI FPV drone, but there's something else that's coming. Hiya, what do you have? Yeah, by the looks of it, we're going to get a new Ronin handheld gimbal stabilizer to be released on September 9th. So that's really soon. It's going to be 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which, of course, is interesting because I think most of the DJI product releases have been on weekdays in the morning and not so much late in the day at 10.30. So it's a little late. The Ronin SC is the most recent gimbal from DJI that was released, uh, I think, what, less than two years ago. The Ronin S is a little older, and you could argue that both are due for a replacement. The smaller one is lighter, is easier in some ways, has more features, but it's less easy to stabilize your camera with. The original Ronin S does a better job, has more powerful motors, but it's, uh, it's much larger and more of an effort to work with. So... In my opinion, it'd be nice if DJI would be able to take the best of both worlds, take all the technical features from the Ronin SC, but also uh, make it lightweight and easier to manage so that you don't have the disadvantage of the Ronin S. And in a photo that we've seen on Twitter, we've seen a what seems to be a pre-production model, and it's called the Ronin RS2. And we don't yet know if RS2 is going to be the official name for this new gimbal. It could also be the Ronin S2 or the SC2. However, I think that RS2 might make sense. If you know, RS is also used by Porsche for rent sport, for meaning like the lightweight performance vehicles. And we've seen DJI take inspiration from Porsche in the past as well. 
I like to think that RS would stand for a new and improved gimbal version that is more lightweight, still gets you all the performance that you're used to from the Ronin S model, but then combine that with the ease of use, the lightweight, uh, the more technical features from the Ronin SC. So hopefully in this new Ronin gimbal that comes up, we get all these features combined. And luckily we don't have to wait much longer because September 9th is a little more than a week away from us. So it's gonna be here soon. There are definitely some cool features from this photo that look enticing. Um, a couple things, I think, as an avid Ronin user myself, for all of you out there who have one, you're going to be excited. The prototype has locking arms, which will make balancing so much easier. But I would argue that balancing the Ronin S was always easier than the SC. In addition, it looks like there are some ports that might be for communicating with the camera. Makes me wonder, Haya, if we're going to get some live streaming features with this camera because I'll be honest even in our studio we have a Ronin S set up where we can control and manipulate the camera wirelessly which is a huge 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 advantage and so it just makes me wonder what type of new features we're going to see with this thing. Yeah, uh, same here. I mean, they seem to emphasize performance. I mean, you see some carbon fiber pattern in that one official photo that DJI released. It's it's hard to see whether that's actual carbon fiber or whether it's just like a, a lookalike decal that they use on some parts of the gimbal. However, if you look at the uh, leaked photo that was leaked earlier, it seems that those parts of the arms might actually be in fact uh, carbon fiber. They have this red lining to kind of emphasize, I guess, those parts and perhaps perhaps uh, the performance aspect of it. I hope it's gonna be the best of both worlds. I would imagine perhaps that we get better tracking as well so that when you shoot yourself and you have, let's say the gimbal set up and you're moving around, the camera will be able to track you like you can with the uh, SC as well. But yeah, I would think that lightweight with all the performance that you would want from a Ronin gimbal is, uh, is what we're looking for here. Totally, totally. And into our next story, um, as Hurricane Laura has really devastated the coast of Louisiana and the coast of Texas, there are a lot of questions out there. How can we make predicting these storms well, better so that people have a, a better sense of what to expect with the hurricane as Laura became one of the fastest hurricanes ever on record to intensify. And one such company has a solution to better measure intensity with these hurricanes. Haya, what's going on here? Yeah, uh, this is a very cool story. Um, Predicting where a hurricane is going to move to, of course, is one challenge, and that's not always an easy one to solve either. But the intensity of the hurricane apparently is even harder to predict. And what they've now been using is uh, disposable drones, they're called coyote drones. These drones, if they crash and if they never are retrieved, it's fine. Uh, they fly them right into the eye of the storm, and specifically one part of that eye wall is where they get the most valuable information. I think it'd be tricky to fly there with an airplane. Uh, these drones, they can fly right into that area. They collect all kinds of data, air temperature, water temperature, wind speeds, direction, and they communicate that right back to the control center. If these drones get lost, it's fine. They're Apparently, they're made to be disposable. I mean, I can imagine looking at them that there must not be uh, very cheap 
uh, unmanned aircraft to make. So it'd be nice if you could reuse them, of course. But even if they lose them, it's fine because the information they can get is so valuable. Now, of course, if you see the damage that hurricanes uh, can cause, that easily runs into the billions of dollars. So to dispose a few drones to better learn what a hurricane is up to, where it's going to be heading and how intense it's going to be is definitely worth some money. Coyote drones, these are fixed wing drones. They almost look like missiles with wings, so it's it's nothing like a quadcopter. Yeah, I think it's a very cool thing, and uh, we would love to get some more information as to how they use these drones and if they're going to be used in this hurricane season as well. It's really cool, though, that there's a very special pocket of air that provides the information or indicator as to the intensity. And it's interesting that only drones can fly there. But agree, do you wonder who's going to come up with the Elon Musk company of, you know, reusable hurricane drones? You know, what's the next thing? So I think that that could be uh, a lot of fun, Haya, to be honest with you. And uh, when it comes to actually potentially reconstructing disposable drones... Well, we may never have a scene to reconstruct, but it brings us to our next story as drone technology helps investigate crashes, which we're pretty familiar with here at Drone New Haya, mm. as we have taught the accident reconstruction course at the NTSB Training Academy in Northern Virginia. We've taught that course twice now. One of my favorite classes, really. But what's going on here in Alabama, Haya? Yeah, in Alabama, they're training members of the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency's Highway Patrol Division. That's a bit of a mouthful, as well as the State Bureau of Investigations. And really what it comes down to is that crash scenes and crime scenes are now being analyzed and investigated with the use of drones. And of course, if you have drones, you can uh, 3D map a scene uh, to various degrees of accuracy, but you can do it pretty quickly. And then you can open up a highway again for regular traffic. Meanwhile, you preserve the exact layout of the crash scene and all the dimensions and distances. So uh, you can speed up the entire process. And then of course you have all that information available for anybody who needs to be part of this investigation. It's cool to see that they're using drones for this. I mean, like we've been saying on this show so many times, there are so many benefits that drones can bring our society. This is definitely one of them. And it's cool to see that in Alabama, they're using drones for this purpose. Couldn't agree with you more, Haya. There's so many things you can do with just one point cloud. That's why drone mapping has so much power. And like we've said before, it's like a sea or an ocean of data. You often don't know what you can do with the data until someone shows you one particular example. Well, that's going to do it for our news show for today. Haya, thank you again for all that information, as always, coming from the new leader in drone news. That's right. You heard it here first, Drone XL. Paul, thanks. And uh, as always, a pleasure being on the show. I'm looking forward to doing another one uh, next week. Definitely, definitely. I, I'm looking forward to it as well. In fact, uh, people, you can expect another drone news show at the regular time this coming week. So thank you again for joining us. Please don't be afraid to share the show, hit the like button, or let us know what you think. But that's going to do it for us today. This is Ask Drone You. News edition. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers 
who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.